Hi, this is Silesh Rao from Climate Healers, and I am with SoFlow Vegan. Welcome to the SoFlow Vegans Podcast. We bring you vegan experts from around the world to talk about health, the environment, animal advocacy, and spreading compassion. It's our passion to help you navigate the vegan lifestyle by listening to the experiences of vegan influencers, doctors, and experts. Thanks for listening. This is the SoFlow Vegans Podcast, and now your host, Sean Russell. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the SoFlow Vegans Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Russell, and today we have a returning champion on the show. He is the founder of Climate Healers, as well as the executive director, and he is a voice you should be listening to because it goes way beyond just veganism. It goes to our security on the planet. I wouldn't say so much the planet itself because it could, you know, just, you know, rebuild itself over a couple, you know, million years. But for us to survive as a species, there's things that we can do. So we'll be going into that on this episode. And of course, we have none other than Dr. Selish Rao on the show. Thank you so much for coming back. My pleasure. Thank you. And that's a great introduction, by the way, Sean. <laughs> I appreciate that. And I'm excited because this is a topic that I don't spend enough time on. Um, mm-hmm. Just the whole general of like what things that we can do, what's happening. And before we get an update, and, and I highly suggest you guys listen to our first episode. I'll make sure to link it in the show notes because we go over a lot of probably what we're going to talk about today. But this is like an update because when, when did we do it? We did it, uh, I feel like during either 2020 or 2019. 2019, but, I thought. Yeah. yeah, it was before <laughs> before the word that we shall not say nice. too often in this podcast. But we have a tradition of doing a vegan origin story and you have graced us with your vegan origin story. But for this go around, I want you to talk a little bit more about like what got you to want to start Climate Healers and to take this head on. Like what were some of the things that, you know, were planted in you to move you in that direction? Yeah. Yeah. I started working on climate change in 2006. 2005 is when I saw Al Gore's presentation on TV and I was so shocked. Uh, I said, if half of what he's saying is true, I'm wasting my time working, Mm. making the internet 10 times faster. So I decided to look into it. And then I started working on climate change full time in 2006. And within a year, you know, I got trained by Al Gore and I started giving his presentations. And then I realized that we were not talking about the origin of the problem and how do you address it at the root. We were trying to sort of, you know, figure out how to patch up the symptoms, right? That's what the mainstream uh, uh, discourse on climate change is. So I wanted to heal the climate. How do you heal the climate? How do you reverse climate change and bring it back to what it was? And because to me, it's like, you know, if I have a fever, one degree Celsius, and I go to the doctor, and the doctor says, well, I'll make sure it doesn't go over two degrees Celsius. Meanwhile, you, you, you the growth you have on the side of your head, I'm going to make sure it doubles. You know, I would think that this doctor is crazy. He's not treating me right. But that's exactly how we were treating Mother Earth. And I said, no, you need to reverse the fever. We need to work on how do you reverse that fever. And that was the origin of Climate Healers. And that was 2007. You know, I say that... If you look at the, if you take the lifespan of Mother Earth, 
like 3.5 billion years when she's been alive. And you compress that to a human lifetime of 70 years, let's say. Okay, so then it turns out that the last 100 years that we have been flying, you know, on planes and living it up, so to speak, is really just one minute in her life. In that one minute, we have flown and we have realized that you can't fly like this anymore. You're going to crash, right? Mm-hmm. So it's now figuring out how to do a soft landing of our civilization so that we don't destroy our lives. Because Mother Earth will live. You know, she'll go on. It's just that she will just wipe us off and start over if we don't do it right. So mm-hmm. it's up to us. It's our responsibility to figure out how to heal the climate and bring the temperature back to what it was 200 years ago and then give it to our children and grandchildren and say, this is your job. You know, it's this is your purpose in the, on Earth is to maintain the climate. Because as soon as we say, as soon as we admit that we have changed the climate of the planet, we own the climate of the planet, right? It's our responsibility to take care of it. So that's why I started Climate Healers in 2007. And it's been, what, 15 years now? And it's been a great ride. I say that 30 years that we have been talking about this in the UN, it's like 20 seconds in Mother Earth's life. And those 20 seconds, we have been bickering and pointing fingers at each other and not really doing the job that needs to get done. And I'm saying, you know, it's up to us to take on that responsibility and say, okay, the governments are not going to do it. They've said, they've made it clear they're not going to do it. You know, corporations are not going to do it. We, the people, have to do it. And so this is what I work on, you know, in my grassroots. Uh, how do you get grassroots activism going to actually land our civilization softly so that we don't kill too many things, we don't kill too many people, and, and then we can, in the process, create all the infrastructure and institutions you need for a climate healing civilization. Because right now we are in a climate heating civilization. And I say that, you know, it was necessary for us to go through a climate heating civilization before we get to a climate healing civilization. Because until then, we didn't even know that's what we were doing. For the first 10,000 years, we had no clue what we were doing, right? It's only over the last 30 years we've figured out, hey, we are changing the climate of the planet, right? So as soon as that realization hit, that awareness hit, we have to now become responsible for our role in the ecosystems of the planet. And do you see, from what I've been reading and what the the information that's out there, it's not even the 10,000 years that we've been on the planet that this has really been an an issue. It's been since, you know, the creation of our not the introduction of the Industrial Revolution and us Mm -hmm. and then that compound effect of the technology increasing, requiring additional resources, fossil fuels being burned. And then you obviously have the from your white paper that you put out and we talked um, about Mm -hmm. a lot on our first episode, our first interview, I should say, the animal agriculture and Mm -hmm. what goes into creating that, which is a lot of the same things, you know, creating the infrastructure, clearing out the trees, all of those sort of things. So with that being said, and the knowledge that you have, where are we trending? Because it's been almost three years since we've had this conversation Can you catch us up to where we are since that time? Yeah. See, uh, we have been heating the climate for 10,000 years, not just since the Industrial Revolution. But initially, it was good for us. We didn't even notice it. We actually said, oh, the temperature has stayed constant, so therefore we can do agriculture. 
Well, the temperature stayed constant because we were cutting down forests and heating up the climate. If we hadn't done that, the temperature would have gone down and we would be in an ice age by now, right? So, so we prevented an ice age from happening. And, and so the first 10,000 years, we didn't even notice that we were doing something to keep the temperature constant. Interesting. That we were really the climate regulating species of the planet. We didn't even know that. And then over the last 200 years, we discovered fossil fuels and we cranked it up a notch. And in the process, we actually created all the tools we need to measure the temperature, you know, all those things that we wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. Right? So now we have the, all the tools and technologies to become a conscious climate regulating species. For the first 10,000 years, we were an unconscious climate regulating species, right? So, so now we have become a conscious climate regulating species, but some of us, most of us are saying, that's not our role. You know? <laughs> I want to just party away. And I'm saying, no, wait a minute. You have been doing it. Our ancestors did it for 10,000 years. They didn't even know it. And then over the last 30 years, we've become conscious of our role. We need to now step it up and take the responsibility on. And I see progress. You know, I see progress and I see that it's sort of, we are being guided, okay? So we think we are in this on by ourselves. No, we are being guided and we are taking the right steps because I see COVID as mother nature putting us in our rooms, sending us to our rooms saying, think about what you're doing and come back out as a better species, a conscious species. And, you know, some of us have been thinking about what we are doing when we were sent to our rooms and we have come out as better. Some of us have come out saying, no, I want to party again, <laughs> okay? So it's like the caterpillar, right? So the caterpillar has to be sent into a cocoon first. And in the cocoon, the caterpillar is thinking about what it wants to become as a butterfly. So every cell is trying to figure out, do I want to be the head of the butterfly or the eyes of the butterfly or what, right? So, and so then, you know, you stay in the cocoon for a little while, maybe a week, and then you come out as a butterfly. And as a butterfly, you are a very different creature than what you were as the caterpillar, mm. right? You're not mindlessly consuming everything that sits, that's around. Instead, you're sipping nectar from the flowers. You're pollinating the flowers as you sip the nectar. And as you pollinate the flowers, you're creating life, you're regenerating life. And that's what we are called to do in the next phase. So we are now in the cocoon. And we have to think about the institutions and the infrastructure we need for the butterfly phase and create it. So as we land, we have to create these things. And this is the idea behind food healers. Because to me, I said, okay, what are the three things, three most important things that human beings need to survive and thrive? Food, clothing, shelter, right? Food, water. Food, of course, comes with water too. Clean water and food, clothing and shelter, right? So clothing, we have plenty, <laughs> you know? <laughs> we got closets full of clothing, so we don't really need, right? Plenty of clothing to share around with us. And you don't need to change your clothing all the time, right? Whereas food, you eat three times a day. So it's making sure that you have healthy food freely available to every human being on the planet. So that is the oxygen mask that we all need to have mm. as we land our civilization and transform from a climate heating to a climate healing civilization, right? Mm. So for that, we need to make sure that we have access to healthy food and make it, make it available to everybody. 
Because when you put on the oxygen mask on a plane, or, or you don't say only the first class seats are going to get oxygen because the others didn't pay so much. Yeah. You know? No, everybody gets it. Right? So this is why I say it's no longer a question of do you have money, otherwise you won't get food. No, food has to be free. Healthy food has to be freely available. And it's the role of the community to ensure that its members are fed healthily. And so what do you need to do that? Well, we have to create the infrastructure for doing that. Mm -hmm. And that is the idea behind starting World Food Dealers Day and taking World Food Dealers Day as the beginning of the new food system where healthy food is freely available, okay? Healthy vegan food. So I say whole food, plant-based, uh, no oil, vegan food will be freely available. If you want something that, that's crispy and oily and unhealthy, you have to pay for it, right? You could start with that as the model for the new food system, okay? Because right now we have, you know, fast food that's subsidized by governments, they're going the exact opposite direction, right? And so they're making it unhealthy food, <laughs> cheaply available, so that you all get diseases, so they can make money off of your bodies. That's the system we have today, okay? So we need to now create this new system or the new infrastructure and the institutions you need. It could be churches. And I say that climate change could be, you know, the savior of religion. In addition to being, right now it is a failure of religion because climate change is caused by us not living in alignment with who we really are, which means that the religious institutions haven't really fallen on the job, right? They haven't done their job right. But leave that as it may, right? So you say that's the climate heating civilization, which is all about deception and domination and death and disease and destruction. It's death for the animals, diseases for human beings and destruction for the planet. That's how we made money in the old model. And that's the climate heating civilization. So in the climate healing civilization, it will be the opposite. Okay? It's about health and harmony and you know happiness, right? So all the good things, that's what we need to be organized around. And, you know, and I say it could be the savior of religion. You know, if religious institutions become the place where healthy food is known to be freely available. You know, if, if, if everyone knows, you just go to the nearest church, you get healthy food, then your community will be happy and healthy, right? Mm -hmm. And so the, the congregation's role is to make that happen. So everyone brings their gifts to make that happen. Now, I say that everyone has a gift to give. Okay, you, even if you have only one finger that you can move, you can click on something and share a video, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? You can at least yeah. do that. Right? So, but you can always come and, you know, clean the kitchen or cook or cut the vegetables, or whatever needs to be done to make this happen for food healers. When I say Food Healers Day is a day that we designate as the day that we are going to start this in earnest, you know, being serious about making healthy food freely available to everyone. So that's our mission. And we have a number of partners who have joined us, you know, co-conveners who have joined us saying, yeah, let's make that happen. Because my original idea was, you know, I said, if uh, the UN is promising that world hunger will be eradicated by 2030. I said, okay, how are we, going, how are we doing that? You know? So why don't we do it on one day? 
in 2022. Why are we waiting for 2030? Because 2030 comes, it becomes 2040. Yeah. 2050. No, don't put some distant uh, time like that. Let's just figure out what are we going to do now to make that happen. So I said, let's solve world hunger on one day. So that was November 19th. So that's how it started. And then it became like, you know, clearly this is the beginning of a new food system that we are creating. Okay, where we are we can grow our own vegetables and bring that as your gift. or you can say i'm going to buy a sack of rice and donate it that will be your gift so every one of us has something to give to make this happen and you could say i have a bunch of big vessels i can bring and so we can cook so when you cook in community kitchens and especially in places of worship and you start handing it out it becomes a you know a sacred offering right that you're giving to your uh, fellow human beings and making sure that no one goes hungry because it's only when we heal ourselves that we'll start healing the planet okay because if we are sick we are not going to be thinking about healing the planet right so i say we need to get human beings healthy first and put them on the road to health right so know that you belong first and foremost and it's because a lot of our bad habits and our addictions come from thinking that we don't belong you know and i'm saying no you every one of us belongs we have always belonged and you'll always belong no matter where you are because you are part of this larger fabric of life which is way more intelligent than we give it credit for okay and that's one of the things i learned over the last 15 years you know looking at nature studying nature and i began to see the in- tremendous intelligence that's embedded in nature and so i say that we have been used <laughs> for the last 10,000 years or even longer we thought we were the boss you know running around pretending to be the boss but you're not you're the puppets you're being used so do you see the way the system is currently set up right now mm-hmm. is the idea that we create this grassroots movement where we're not waiting for these institutions to opt yeah. in we're focusing on the community organizations where we can have a direct connection with is that that concept um, yeah see we look at the existing institutions they are all climate heating institutions uh, because institutions were created by the climate heating model in the climate heating model and in the climate heating institution everything is based on deception and domination yeah. you know and i said death disease and destruction deception meaning we lie to each other i mean it's normal so there are institutions our institutions have all been completely corrupted they are all like eaten like termites from the inside you know? <laughs> right so right. it is they are not useful for anything except for the heating and now they have even abandoned you know pretending to be helpful right <laughs> so it's like the un i go to these un meetings the last one i went to was last year in glasgow and i can assure you if you're waiting for them to solve the problem yeah. <laughs> it's not going to happen because they have been meeting 26 times and in the 26 times they have met the co2 level in the atmosphere has been going up and up and up and even faster and faster and so the promises they made in glasgow they haven't even kept today okay mm-hmm. so they come they're going to come to egypt saying sorry we haven't kept it what is this because they are all voluntary pledges no one can be enforced nothing is enforced okay so 
if we think that this process is going to solve climate change, we are the fools, you know, because how many times do they have to take the ball away from us before we say we can't kick it, right? So I think it's up time for us to wake up. So we, I'm boycotting COP27. I'm boycotting any further COPs. I'm not going to the UN anymore. I'm done. You know? I'm done because that's not where the solution is. We cannot expect a climate heating uh, institution to become a climate healing institution. It's not going to change its stripes like that. Okay. So it's up to us to do it from the bottom up. Okay. And because we have the power, we always had the power. Mm-hmm. We were just not taking responsibility for our own power. And give, we were giving it away to others saying, hey, you take care of it. You take care of it. But we have the power because when we join and start doing things like this, say in, you know, in churches or community centers, you know, we start doing this. They cannot stop us. You know? And imagine if everyone has access to healthy food at any time. McDonald's will go bankrupt. Why? Because McDonald's will go bankrupt even if, you know, their revenues start going down a bit. (laughs) You don't have to make it go to zero. That's the nature of capitalism. As soon as it stops growing, it starts shrinking to zero on its own. Okay? Mm -hmm. You just have to prevent it from growing any further. It's already happening. I mean, I say that uh, if you look at the UN uh, data, the Food and Agriculture Organization puts out data on lots of things, meat production. Meat production actually went down in mm. 2019 and 2020, okay? Mainly because of China and India, okay? So, and I say that's appropriate because Asia has to take the lead in turning the world around to be a um, more spiritual world. So I say it's a spiritualization of the world. That's what climate healing is all about, you know, because climate heating is about despiritualization of the world. Spirituality to me is connectedness. And so you're no longer connected. You're trying to be, you're trying to get more and more distracted and disconnected from reality. That's what climate heating did, you know. They were trying to disconnect us more and more and more, you know, isolate us in our own little bubble and then feed us bad food (laughs) so that we get sick. Right, that's the model, and now we have to come together, reconnect mm-hmm. with each other, reconnect with nature, be kind to everyone, be kind to all life, and provide this healthy food as the basis for coming together. And I say that when you start working on this, you automatically get connected. You automatically become more spiritual. We want to hear from you. Visit our website to ask a question, leave a comment, or tell us how much you love the show. We'll play some of your messages during the episode, as well as directly to our guests. So be sure to leave your name and city and visit SoFloVegans.com slash podcast. So you you said something that was interesting. You said Asia um, has to be the one that allows us to be more connected and in, in the context of what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. You, could you go a little bit into that? Why Why is it that Asia needs to be the... Well, I'm saying the global south, you know, Asia, Africa, the global south, which wasn't leading the heating civilization. The heating civilization was led by Europe and North America and Western nations. They did the industrialization, you know, they did, um, they actually heated up the planet quite a bit. <laughs> so, and we all know that. And then those who are who didn't do all of that, they're saying, oh, wait a minute. They did all the heating, so I'll wait for them to cool. I want to heat. I also want to heat. So no. 
that's not what you should be talking about we all should be saying i want to cool the planet you know what i mean mm-hmm. and who's the leader in cooling the planet no one wants to be the leader in cooling the planet <laughs> we all want to be the leader in heating the planet what is this right so i yeah. say it's up to the those who are already closer to zero to actually get to zero and go below zero right mm-hmm. so meaning we start cooling and i say that's the natural leaders are the ones who are no are not high up there so they can start regenerating the planet they can actually you know regenerate the forest they can start eating low on the food chain they can become an example for those who are heating the planet saying you know look your ponzi scheme is over <laughs> and it's going to collapse and because all ponzi schemes collapse okay it's a fact of life in nature there is nothing that keeps growing forever and ever and ever nothing okay so mm. we know that so our economy is now already way bigger than what the planet can sustain okay we already know that so it's like a bubble that's you know that's bigger than what the planet can sustain and the planet is saying okay i'm going to burst your bubble mm. <laughs> going like this right the balloon that's going to burst so every ponzi scheme collapses this is why so our economy is a ponzi scheme it's run out of uh, new york and you know london okay so they're running this ponzi scheme out of new york and london this is printing money now look at what they're doing right so they they're like 7 trillion dollars in money that has been printed and given away so that people can consume more and more because if they don't consume the whole thing will collapse so there's this fear right the fear that the ponzi scheme is going to end and then what are we going to do <laughs> you know said so can't you figure out a different way of organizing yourself except through a ponzi scheme come on this is not that complicated we know this we learned this in kindergarten take care of each other right be kind to everyone so i used my uh, my granddaughter took me to see cinderella when she was 4 years old and I, at first i thought i'm going to be bored watching the same movie again and i know the story and then within 10 minutes uh, this was the lily james version of cinderella and within 10 minutes i sat up saying wait a minute this is for me <laughs> but for her because cinderella said something that i realized was the essence of what i was trying to do at climate healers and she framed it so nicely she said have courage be kind and all will be well see when everyone is cruel around you it takes courage to be kind you know that we all know yeah. that I mean, those who are vegan know that because we get ridiculed and mocked and uh, but we have to stand up and say hey this is me this is who i am i don't want to be hurting animals unnecessarily okay uh, i mean i know someone you're paying someone else to do it but still you are responsible right for mm-hmm. making that happen so it takes courage to be kind so i sat up and said okay i better pay attention to this movie because there's more lessons in this for me and then the second thing she said was just because it's what is done doesn't mean it's what should be done just because we have been doing something all along doesn't mean you have to continue doing it just because you've been i've been going this way doesn't mean i can keep going this way forever because if i do i may fall over a cliff and i can see the cliff i can see the edge of the cliff and yet i'm walking this way right so i said we have to make a left turn or right turn right you have to make a right turn at some point and that is the transformation so that's the second thing she said and the third thing she said was imagine the world as it should be not mm-hmm. the world that you have and then act for it right so so i say those are the three principles i use i call them the cinderella principles that i learned from my granddaughter 
and that's it you know so you can just you know post it everywhere and say this this is our this is a new constitution this is what we are going to do <laughs> so what do you think i'm having conversations and realizations just about kindness you know mm-hmm. what that looks like and how that presents itself and also being able to think for yourself because i feel like a lot of times we default to a tribal sort of way of yeah. thinking with even even within the vegan community i feel yeah. like for me i don't agree with promoting kindness with hostility yeah you know, i i feel it's oxymoronic and exactly. I, and i but at the same time it's like part of compassion and, and being kind at least for me is to not approach that individual with judgment or with right. you know hostility myself like for me to be like oh i can't stand the way that you're presenting veganism is almost equally is almost like the same thing to me mm-hmm. and then that leads me to the question of like how do we spark a revolution of personal accountability in terms of how we're showing up in the world because that even goes up to the idea of healing the individual with food you know making sure that everyone has food to eat but before we even get there it's like we can create that platform we can go to all the churches and figure out how to get them to opt in and shift their mentality of how they eat right. and this that and the other that 100% possible. It's going to take courage, it's going to take work, but it can happen, right? Yeah. But then having those individuals consider that as an option, you know, to want to eat a whole food plant-based, eat that way because you see it in the vegan community, you know, I don't want to say the percentage, but you give people an option between a fill in the blank burger and, you know, a salad a really delicious salad you might have more people leaning to the burger just because of how they've been programmed over the years to want that instant gratification and all the scientific technology that has been put into making sure that people you know crave that fat and that salt and that what have you so what can you say to that for someone who may have that in the back of their mind and that may be something that prevents them from wanting to even try to participate in this initiative you know what we tried to do we we kind of ran experiments with this in um, um los angeles right in santa monica beach actually so we had you know i mean everyone was invited to come and have our food and initially you know we were serving maybe 200 150 200 people every you know we did it every i think once a month we started and now you know it's like 800 people right it's wow. it's it's just shot up like and people are standing in line to get our food because they become familiar with it they know the principle of why we are doing what we are doing and and they support it and they want to this to continue okay so so you see the community coming together and saying yes we want this to happen okay and to me you know when you make be serves to usually unity stew we call it the unity stew the idea behind that is create a base nice base for the stew and then you can add any vegetable you want and any herb you want and any grain you want and it will taste very very different from the other stew you made yesterday so every day it's different every time you make it it's different and so there is that variety that you bring you know with this simple formula and everyone feels like they can contribute 
They know any vegetable can go in there. So they say, I know I have a vegetable. I'm growing some vegetables. I'll bring it. Farmers come and donate. So, and they know that whatever they donate is being used. Okay. It's not a, based on a, a set recipe where you have to have, you know, so many eggplants or whatever it is. So it is, it's a generic stew that you make, right? And this sort of brings the community together and they all feel like they're participating. And that's part of why I think people feel disconnected. They feel like they are not part of it, you know? And here we are saying, look, we, we all have to uh, figure out how to land this, this plane okay, of our civilization that has soared, but it's now, you know, it's stalling. It's going to come yeah. down, you know? And so it's like, you know, I use the analogy of Captain Sullenberger landing his US Airways plane uh, in the Hudson River. Okay, so, and when he had, when he realized that this, this is not going to go any further, you're going to have to land this. He was focused on where he was going to land it and how he was going to land it. He blanked out everything else. He was focused on this. And then he told everyone on the plane, brace for impact. And everyone knew because everyone knew that there was something wrong with the plane. It's not going to go up any further. And they all knew that they had to you know, do what the captain wanted. And so they just, you know, put their heads down and brace for impact. And they all had their oxygen masks on, right, to start with. So you say, that's what we are doing now, you know, for civil. If you want to heal the climate, that's what we have to do. Otherwise, it's going to get, we're all going to die. And even Captain Salim Salih was saying, he knew if he didn't do it right, we're going to crash and die. So, you know, and he said he, he realized he had just a few seconds to make these right decisions. And so I say in the life of Mother Earth, it is a few seconds. We just have a few years before we figure this out. We have to figure this out. Okay. If we don't do it right, all the animals are going to die and we are going to die too. If we, right. So mm -hmm. I know that. Knowing that, I say, what is the best thing I could be doing today? Yeah. And I'm a systems engineer and I'm figuring out, okay, how do you transform from a climate heating civilization to a climate healing civilization? How do you make this transformation happen? So I look at the major pillars of a climate heating civilization. The first is consumerism which is that, you know, you're looking for happiness outside. And they teach you that, you know, as we grow up. And I'm saying no religion ever says that. Greed is good. No religion says that. Okay? And yet we have implemented a whole civilization saying greed is good. Right? That's why I say it's a failure of religion. Our climate heating civilization is really a failure of religion. And climate change is a signal from nature saying no more. I'm not going to tolerate this anymore. And so we have to now be authentic. We have to have integrity in what we are saying and what we are doing. We have to match. Right? So consumerism is one pillar. The second pillar is supremacism, which is to say, hey, I'm superior to you because my skin color is different or my species is different. Whatever the heck it is, right? So we come up with all these, these hierarchies and gradations and things like that. That's part of our civilization right now. Okay? See, we can, you know, we know that it's, it's systemic. It's systemic. It's built in. Because we routinely abuse animals and we think it's normal to abuse animals. If you abuse animals, you're going to abuse people too. Okay. So, because it's just because abuse has become common, it's become, you know, the currency, right? It's almost like you, you see a slaughterhouse truck go by, you think it's normal. So, that's why I say it's become an axiom. 
supremacism has become an axiom in the civilization axiom is a truth that you take for granted gotcha you don't even question it and the third is hunger hunger is an axiom so we think uh, a billion people are going to be hungry every year that's normal what <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean you think about it it's like you have so much food you're taking most of that food and feeding it to animals okay the animals are eating five times as much food as we eat and yet people are puzzled as to why eating animals has causes world hunger <laughs> that is the root cause of scarcity food scarcity <laughs> because if we take the animals out there's plenty of food and no one has to go hungry at all okay so world hunger is a is a choice we make three times a day and so is you know living in the climate heating civilization so i say what is a climate healing civilization what are the pillars of a climate healing civilization and it turns out it is looking for happiness within ourselves because that's where it is it always was and all you have to do is to drop things your happiness is you are already happy happiness is you you know you were born happy you are you just have to drop things and you become happy you don't have to do anything so that's why happiness you have to teach children to look for happiness within figure out how to drop those things okay drop those addictions drop those you know craving and external things that we are, we teach people actually there are psychologists working for corporations who are trying to get people more and more addicted you know to their products so anyway we have to go get over all that so we have to look for happiness uh, within ourselves the second is treating all life as one family because we are one family yeah? not just human beings but all life we are part of one large family we are in this together we together create the life support systems on this planet okay all together and so we all thrive together so it's one for all all for one you know that's how we should be treating uh, all other life forms so that's the second axiom and the third axiom is healthy food free for all instead of world hunger <laughs> you know the opposite of world hunger is healthy food free for all and that should be the role of religious institutions that should be the role of community institutions that you come together to ensure that everyone is fed and then everyone can then give their gifts because as lovelock said you know james lovelock um, this scientist from the uk i mean he said if the earth improves as a result of human presence we will thrive no we will flourish he said if it does not we will perish mm-hmm. so you know it is simple right now it is not improving as a result of our presence why because we are taking more than we give so you have to create a system where we give more than we take and how do you and do that well take care of each other take care of in you know, everyone's you know hunger and shelter and cl- clothing and then say what is your gift how how can you contribute and everyone will contribute you know so i say that it's creating that climate healing institutions and so the first climate healing institution that needs to be created is food healers is the food system that's the that's how we even do a soft landing of the climate heating civilization and then in the process of doing a soft landing for the climate heating civilization you would have created the institutions for the climate healing civilization 
And that's that's the idea of November 19th instead of waiting for the 2030. It's like, let's why wait for tomorrow? Life is now. Let's get this rolling. Let's start having these conversations, connecting individuals who want to make a difference with institutions who have the ability to create that difference in their community. And I love the idea that it's you're essentially providing these institutions with a different way with a way to to make it happen. And you know what I mean? It's not saying I'm not going to do it because I think they're not going to be, give them the opportunity. And then I love the fact that you have examples to show this actually working in reality, like to go through what you said, 150 to 800 people showing Mm -hmm. up. That's huge. And I feel like that's going to allow a lot of people to take that chance, especially if they already have a connection with those institutions. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter who does it. If somebody is listening to this right now and they live in South Florida and they want to do it, you know, let me know. Cause I'm definitely going to start having those conversations. Cause I feel like, you know, religion, spirituality, all these things have the ability to transform in a positive way the world but Mm -hmm. i feel like there's a bit of deprogramming that gets to happen for us to look at what is the most effective and you know you being a systems engineer is like what's the most effective and impactful way to make it happen and i love that you're focusing on you know the person first because you know you make the analogy of the oxygen mask all the time like how are you as a activist or an advocate going to advocate for something when you know you're dealing with things yourself you know your your one life incident from being without food you know Mm -hmm. and that's that's the other thing i feel like this kind of paints into a lot of different crises that we're facing as a society so with that being said it's you know, what would be that as we wind down the podcast, what would be the next step? Somebody is listening to this before the 19th or after the 19th, what can they do to support the mission? Yeah, I say you don't have to even wait for the 19th. And the 19th was to me like a signpost. It happens to be the day after um, the UN meeting ends. The UN meeting is from November 7th through 18th. So I announced that we are boycotting the UN meeting. We're not going to go there anymore. And then we are also going to feed everyone healthy food on the day after, November 19th. I want to make it as widespread as possible on November 19th. So we've got temples in India offering to feed like 100,000 people in Delhi. And and I'm trying to raise funds for them so they can do that. So things like that, you know. So lots of people are coming together and saying, yeah, let's do this. Let's do this, okay. The idea is, you know, to put pressure on our leaders who should be taking responsibility, should actually have integrity to deliver on their promises to actually start doing it. So let, let's put pressure on them. Okay? So, so that's the idea is, if you guys don't do this, we are gonna be going on our own. We are doing things on our own. And you know, if you guys are not going to uh, help us, you're gonna become irrelevant. That's what I the idea behind November 19th, because they're meeting from November 7th through 18th. I wanted them to feel some pressure. Because right now they're still serving meat and dairy at a climate change conference. This is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Right? This is just ridiculous. So the lack of seriousness of people 
50,000 people are expected in COP27, coming from all over the world, staying for two weeks to do what? (laughs) Especially if you're going and eating burgers. So if somebody wanted more information to get some Mm -hmm. ideas and get some step-by-step information, you know, what, what could they find if they went onto the website? Like what sort of resources do you have available for someone who wants to do it, but they just don't really know, you know, what they need to kind of have that laid out for them? Yeah. So there is, uh, if you go to our website, foodhealers.org or climatehealers.org slash foodhealers, it'll take you to the same site. Uh, you will see, I mean, everything you need is there. So you will see like a media kit. So you can download the media kit and then you can uh, and you can then promote it to other people. You'll see a video where we talk about what we are doing. It's a one-minute video, and you can share that out to people so that it spreads the word around uh, that we are doing this. And you will see that you know every one of us has a gift to give. That's what we try to tell you is that there are so many ways in which you can participate, but you can do something. You're not powerless, okay? You have tremendous power. So it's just about taking that, realizing that, and then exercising that power. Okay, so I say if you can grow something, grow something and go donate it. Or you can, you know, you want to cook something, cook something. So if every one of us cooks twice as much as we normally do and then hands it out to someone, that person is not going to go eat a non-vegan food on that day. Mm -hmm. Because you fed him. Of it, her. So in the same way, right? So I'm saying every one of us can contribute to make this happen. But please make it a universal vegan meal. So universal meal. If you go to PCRM, the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, um, they have a universal meals program. It's called pcrm.org slash universal meals. And we link to that. And we say, you know, take any of those recipes if you want to do them. Or we have this generic recipe called Unity Stew, which is very simple. So you can, and you can see the recipe everywhere. It's a recipe template. It's not a recipe like you normally see. It doesn't say, you know, four of this, three of that, et cetera. And it just says, any vegetable you want, put it in here. Any grain you want, put it at this time and wait until it cooks and you're done. Okay, so, so then you can come together as community and do it, or you can even do individually. You can cook some and invite your friends and feed them. So just participate in that wholeheartedly, and you will be contributing to healing the planet, to healing the climate. And then last thing before we close out, anything that you want to plug where people can find more information, you know, projects that you have, we've talked extensively about the project, but just to kind of summarize it so people know the next steps. So I, I'll tell people, look, we are, in a, we are in an emergency, a climate emergency. Okay, so we do know that. We know that we are in a climate emergency and that we don't have too many years before we have to turn this around. Probably three to four years is all we have to turn this around. And when I say turn this around, you want to see the CO2 level in the atmosphere actually start going down. That's what turn this around means, right? If we don't do that, it's gonna keep going up. And so I say that we know that if the world goes vegan, there is a potential it's gonna happen already. So today I say, you know, I have this paper that says 87%, right? So I'm saying that if the world goes vegan today, even if you're driving all the cars like you normally do and driving all the, you know, going on planes like you normally do, you will see that the amount of uh, greenhouse gases you add to the atmosphere has decreased by at least 87%. 
if the world just goes vegan and all the animals disappear, right? The animals that you're putting in factory farms, they all disappear. So, but there is a potential, it's more than 87%. In fact, the new, um, I'm still calculating the numbers and it looks better than 87% based on the new IPCC reports, okay? So it may even start coming down. That's all you have to do. It may even start coming down. And then you can figure out how to get rid of the fossil fuel infrastructure too, because you have to get rid of that too, eventually. So I say, let us all come together and make this happen. So this way, we, first of all, realize our own strength and the, and the power that we have. And then uh, we begin to heal ourselves and heal the planet for our children and grandchildren, because they deserve, I mean, we all deserve to live a healthy life. And typically the last thing that I do on the episode is I call it from the heart. You know, a lot of the time when we speak, we want to make a clear point. We want to communicate effectively. So we have, you know, things that we want to make sure that we get off. But I like the idea. And this is stuff that I had to go through because I was I was very much that way. I give my audience, my guests an opportunity to say the get the final word on the episode. And the reason I said all that is because I kind of felt like you did that in the last mm -hmm. thing you said. But I still want to give you an opportunity to give the final word, just mm -hmm. you're speaking directly to our audience right now. And what do you want to leave them with as the closing music sounds? Yeah, I say help us. Help is H-E-L-P. And that stands for heal the planet, eat plants, love animals, plant trees. It's that simple to go from a climate heating to a climate healing civilization. Thank you. You've been listening to the SoFlo Vegans Podcast. As you can see, our passion is to help people navigate the vegan lifestyle, having on vegan experts from around the globe. Sean is the founder and, of course, the host of SoFlo Vegans, an organization created to help make South Florida a global hotspot for veganism. Thanks for listening. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, find us on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at SoFlo Vegans. Find the show and more at SoFloVegans.com slash podcast. And for questions or comments, send an email to contact at SoFloVegans.com. Our food is grown, not born. See you next time.